0: Welcome back Compass Bible Church to the Compass Equip podcast. We took a little bit of a break, Pastor Hayden. We did, but but we're back. But it wasn't much of a break. It wasn't a break. It wasn't a break at all. It was not a break. We were working. We were working a lot. But we're back. We are back. Well, this (laughs) is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden here. Hey, hey. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast and everything in between, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Compass, you just heard another sermon in our series, Prayer in Evangelism, a gospel focus based, uh, based on the text, Colossians 4, verses 3 through 4. And here's the, uh, the text as a reminder. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. All right, Pastor Hayden, what is the focus and the thrust of the sermon, as well as what do we miss in your sermon that you wished you had more time for?
1: Yeah, as you guys remember, the uh, point of the sermon was that we as Christians must be diligent to pray for opportunities to share the gospel and follow through to boldly proclaim a biblical gospel, and that took part in three points from the text, and that was point number one, we need to pray for evangelistic opportunities, we need to, number two, boldly declare the gospel in every situation, and point number three, we need to work to proclaim a biblical gospel, and as we see there in the text, uh, Paul, uh, in his prayer request, includes uh, us and the Colossian Christians the need to be praying for uh, gospel conversations and opportunities for open doors to preach the gospel in their community, and to pray that we would make it clear, uh, and to give a clear gospel uh, presentation and a clear gospel conversation as we are uh, living and as we are uh, doing our job as ambassadors for Christ. And of course, because of the wonderful baptisms that we were able to celebrate, these were very uh, truncated sermons. Uh, the content wasn't, but the uh, as far as the text and the meaning, but as far as a lot of the application and a lot of the. Uh, Things that we could have jumped into, we didn't have enough time. But glory be to God that we were able to baptize 11 souls this morning who made professions of faith. Just so grateful to uh, be a part of that. But some things that we can do as far as praying for evangelistic opportunities. uh, What you need to also do is uh, ask your life group to pray for specific individuals. I know point number one, we talked about adding a column to your prayer list that was about sharing the gospel with specific individuals, but something else you can do is make sure in your life groups that you're praying for specific opportunities and specific individuals for you to share the gospel with uh, each week that you meet. I think this would be a great practice to institute in the life groups to say, hey, who are some people that we as a life group can be praying for, uh, for a good opportunity and a great circumstance for you to go share the gospel with particular people? That's a great application uh, for that Uh, And point number two, uh, what I think that uh, we need to get out of that just a little bit more in depth is boldly declaring the gospel in every situation. You know, I get that your families and your friends may not be uh, all about the gospel and may not love the gospel. But what we got to do is to keep in mind that it's in every situation and especially the more difficult ones that God will move and do things that only God can do. Uh, It's not always uh, God's desire and will to give us the perfect situation to share the gospel. It's always God's will to do a great work through the gospel, though. And so for you and I, we just need to make sure that in every situation we're preaching the gospel. And as you heard in the baptismal tanks over and over again, and if you missed one of the services, go back onto YouTube. We'll have those services on there, and soon we'll also have all of the baptism testimonies on one video on YouTube. So you can go back and listen to how many times people were fooled, uh, and uh, people were uh, misled into false gospels, and how they had to have the true gospel of Jesus proclaimed uh, for them to appropriately respond and truly become saved. Uh, Even though they were fooled to believing they were, they realized they weren't because someone proclaimed a biblical gospel. So we just need to make sure that we don't... uh, veil our eyes to the reality that even here in New Braunfels, there's a lot of cults, there's a lot of false gospels, and we got to make sure that we understand that as we are, uh, you know, as we're out doing ministry and making disciples. And so, you know, there's some things we miss, some things that I elaborate on there a little bit, but Pastor Evan, what about you? What are are some things maybe you would uh, clarify there?
0: Well, there's one th- there's two subpoints that you gave in the sermon that I really appreciated. And point number two is to one, when we're boldly declaring the Gospel in every situation that we need to one, expect difficulties and two, expect God to draw people into himself. That's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you have to expect it. You need to expect it because what you are doing is uh, you're engaging with a hostile people and a hostile world and a hostile culture. Uh, and telling them that they are not sufficient in and of themselves to save themselves or, uh, or to be pleasing to God. And so it's just not a good conversation, even in the best-case scenario. But that's why we need it. That's why every one of us need it. So we need to expect the difficulties that come with people rejecting us, people maybe defriending us, or, you know, I mean, it's just the, the glaring look of, I don't really want what you're selling. I mean, We're going to get that. Uh, But we got to be bold to declare it in every situation, no matter what. And in all that, we can expect God to draw people to himself. I mean, truly. I mean, you may have a lot of gospel conversations, and uh, God may only lead a few people to himself, but over time, those few people are going to be a lot of people. And there's going to be a lot of people so grateful that you've taken the time to share the gospel with them, to take them from darkness into light, from eternal destruction into eternal life. I mean, we were there's really no price tag to put on that or a time limit I'm willing to put into drawing people to God through declaring the gospel. And so we need to expect God to draw people to himself, even in the midst of difficult situations.
0: Well, Pastor Hayden, you brought up Philippians 1, 12 through 14. What is, why bring that cross reference in the context of this message?
1: I think it was a great opportunity uh, to show uh, that how Paul is very consistent in all of his uh, letters to the churches, and uh, he was consistent even though often his situations weren't consistent. You know, he was in prison, uh, he was shipwrecked, he'd been beaten, he's been stoned and dragged out to the city to die, um, and you hear all these things, but there's something that still remains consistent in his life, and it is his desire... Uh, for people to come to know Christ and to be emboldened and confident in the Lord by Paul's witness and testimony. And so this is a great example that Paul was saying, hey, listen, I'm in prison, but don't look down on that or don't feel bad for me. Uh, it served to advance the gospel. And oh, if we as people would look at our lives, even in the worst scenarios and say, wow, this is gonna serve to advance the gospel because I get to be in this situation. And whether it's suffering uh, and having long-suffering in situations so that I can share the gospel with groups and people that I may not have been able to talk to before, or whether it's like things are going really, really well, and instead of neglecting God because I'm self-sufficient at this moment, or I have a lot of money, or I have a, my family's doing great, instead I use that opportunity to say, you know, money and family, uh, those, all, those all fade away, those all end, but you know what's wonderful, even having all these great things, what's even better than that is having the most important thing, and that is a relationship with God. See, it's using every situation, no matter where you're at, as an opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus. And Paul did a really good job in Philippians 1 through 12 through 14 to share, it doesn't matter, even the bad ones, we're going to be declaring the gospel.
0: All right, Pastor Hayden, we have our life group uh, questions that we're going to be doing this week, but what is... You know that we're always in danger to get distracted or to think of some other things that pop up in our minds as we're writing these things and making sure that we're trying to apply this to ourselves. But what's a direction or even a question that we should focus on this week as we're writing these, going through the application questions ourselves, and preparing to share them at life group? I like question number one
1: uh, every week, uh, and I, specifically this week, where you've heard testimonies after testimonies after testimonies, you're going to be able to jump into some really really great application and takeaways. Uh, from this service. Uh, and my prayer is that they would be helpful. My prayer is that they would be encouraging and convicting as we look at our own testimonies, our own lives. and uh, and but my also my concern, would hopefully, uh, we don't deal with this, uh, you know, picking apart someone else's testimony or uh, maybe taking one out of context and kind of trying to dissect it in such a way that doesn't lead to fruitfulness in the group. And so maybe it'd be a good idea to, make sure that we catch any situation that may be uh, being hijacked, so to speak, or would be, uh, you know, taken down the wrong rabbit hole, and maybe keep those things kind of focused on the application. And that is, man, people's lives have been changed, and we need to make sure that we have testimonies that are salvific, that is, that Christ has changed our own lives, and to glorify God, at least with question number one, and saying how God has changed lives already. Uh, Obviously, like we always say every week, make sure people are writing answers to questions and then applying those questions to their lives. And so for you guys, that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that you are applying these questions to your life as if you needed to apply them right now. And so if you answer the questions that way, you're going to be so helpful in your group as uh, you are giving uh, comments and application, but you're also going to be edifying the whole group as well as giving tools for you in your own tool belt of faith to be walking in Christ.
0: Is there one question that you would what love if we had no time but only one time to do, only time enough to do one question, what would it be?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, you know... I always, I do love question number one, and I know, Pastor Evan, sometimes you say in your group, question one's kind of hard, but we find some of our best uh, conversations come out of, you know, what was your most significant takeaway or application from the first baptism service? And then we get a lot of times we talk about things. You know, here's what I didn't understand about baptism. Here's what I didn't understand about testimonies, and here's how that helped me. And, and, you know, then questions kind of arise. So I really think, obviously, uh, question number one is great. I also just love... uh, I love all of these. That's why we wrote them. But, uh, I like uh, number two, and I I think that I wish we could all get to question number two, is looking at the fruit of gospel conversations at the baptism service, and how does that encourage you to pray more for evangelistic opportunities? I mean, you didn't just see, you didn't just hear, uh, you know, oh, stories of people getting saved. You saw it in real time, people telling you, hey, here's so-and-so that shared the gospel with me. I responded through turning from my sin and trusting in Christ, and now here I am in front of the church being baptized. I mean, you really got to see in real time, how the gospel interacts with people's lives. What do you think, P? Uh,
0: you're right. And I was, I was even sitting in the the service at the first service, just thinking about man. I really have a couple people in mind that I need to really mm. be praying for, and I need to make the resolve to uh, ask God for opportunities and to prepare to share the gospel with them. So, mm-hmm. Pastor Aiden, thank you so much for you know preaching today, mm. and we're excited to dive into these questions. That's and now, right.
1: Yeah, and now it's time for that all-important daily Bible reading spotlight. And so, Pastor Evan, I know you have basically the whole book of Kings to go over with us. So get us jumped in here and, and tell us what we need to be focusing on and paying attention to as we jump into daily Bible reading this week.
0: Well, you guys have done a great job. You have completed the book of Samuel, both the first and second scroll of Samuel. Woo! And you guys ended with you know David taking the census, but eventually you know David interceding on their behalf and then God relenting you know, the plague and punishment. Now we're entering the book of Kings. And don't remember, even though it says first and second Kings, remember this is just one book, just like Samuel's one book. And it continues the narrative that, you know, Samuel ends on. But there's one thing in mind you need to keep, one thing that you need to keep in mind when thinking and reading through Kings is it's very similar to Judges, maybe not as just depraved, but it's a downward spiral of israel and eventually judah just disobeying god doing whatever is right in their own eyes and god having to discipline them even though there is glimmers of hope throughout and it will and second kings will end with hope even though it ends with israel's exile and so the name of kings it simply just means kings or kingdoms but there's some characters that you should be um that you should be paying attention to. You can almost say the main characters. I mean, first off, it's, you get all the kings, the kings of Judah, the United Kingdom. So you got Solomon as the only, well, David and Solomon were the only kings having under the United Israel in in this book in particular. But also you have all the different kings of the northern tribes of Israel and also the, the kings of Judah. And one thing to note as you, if, as you go back and forth, back and forth from Israel to Judah, Israel to Judah, each king from Israel was terrible. They
1: mm-hmm. were not
0: good. And it's important to note here that when they at this point in the divided
1: kingdom, when they say Israel, they're always talking about the northern kingdom. And when we say Judah, you would be talking about the southern southern kingdom. And so don't get confused like I often did when it's like they're talking about Israel this whole time, but then Judah, where is Judah in this? Well, you have two kingdoms: northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So anytime you are talking about Israel after the divided kingdom, it's talking about the northern kingdom. And when they talk about Judah, they're talking about the southern kingdom. And then with that, you have the kings. And what's important to note about the
0: kings of the northern kingdom? All of them were bad. And then only a few kings of the south and of Judah were good. And the kings, their role was they're supposed to lead Israel. They're supposed to lead Israel to follow God and obey his law. But a lot of the times they didn't. here You're going to read that this week as you almost read the entire book of 1 Kings. But then there's also prophets. And there's two main prophets in Kings, even though there's other books that have prophets that lived during the time of king but we'll get there when they get to those books the two prophets that might be very familiar to you is elijah and elisha and essentially what a prophet is they are god's messengers to deliver a message from god and what elijah and elisha were doing where they were calling israel and judah to repent or be punished by god to to experience the consequences of their sin and so before we move on, there's a simple outline to think about is that the first 11 chapters of the first Kings is just talking about the United Kingdom. But then you know, chapter 12 of first Kings all the way through second Kings is just Israel as a divided kingdom. You know, they're trying on their own to be reunited but God said the only way that you're going to be reunited is through me, and it's prophesied in the, in, the um, in Deuteronomy, and it was it will be fulfilled to come when when Christ reigns and then His millennial kingdom. But here's the emphasis: as you're going to be reading different accounts of different kings, is that God keeps His promises. What I mean by that is what you need to do is maybe before you read Kings, is to go back and reread Deuteronomy 28. Chapter 28 of Deuteronomy is going to explain the blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy. You're going to see the blessings God has for Israel when they're under a good kings, and the zenith is Solomon. I mean, he is the richest king. He is the wisest king, and the nation was was at its most powerful, at, at its largest, and its most rich, and it's because Solomon followed God, but then he doesn't, and it leads to a divided kingdom, and each king, most kings, followed after their own heart and then brought about The curses that you'll read in Deuteronomy 28, which will end in the exile, which we find out that happens in the end of 2 Kings. First, uh, the northern tribes, Israel, the kingdom of Israel, the northern tribes, they were exiled by the Babylonians, Assyrians first, and then later, Judah was exiled by the Babylonians. But the purpose of this book, the the main thrust of it is to explain to the original readers, which would have been... Israelites most likely in exile was to explain why they were in exile what happened to our country that now We are no longer in the land that God promised and say well th- this is the account These are the stories that are what happened with the kings and prophets of Israel and Judah and why they are in exile But there's one key text when you read it this week when you're to underline it when you to highlight it. Is 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. This is where Solomon asks for wisdom. This is the famous passage that people you know know for the most part. Is that oh Solomon asked for wisdom from God. But let me read these verses to you and I wanted to explain something real quick because this would be quite helpful as you read the book of First Kings. Verse 9 of 1 Kings chapter 3 give your heart therefore and give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that i may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this uh, this your great people so solomon's saying i'm as a humble man i can't do this god i need your help lord give me an understanding mind and so that when Fun thing, if you do a word study of this with your, with your Hebrew lexicon, is that the understanding mind, really just raw translated means listening heart. Solomon's asking for a heart that this listens to God's word, to God's law, so that he can discern between good and evil. And then throughout the book of Kings, you're going to meet a bunch of kings in Israel and Judah who might have a listening heart. Or do not? Maybe they don't want to listen to God, so they do things on their own, or they do have a listening heart and are able to lead. You know, for Judah mainly, because they they were the only ones that had good kings, a listening heart to know and follow God. And so the key teaching is that which kings would be would have listened, have a listening heart towards God's law, or which kings would reject it. And this all eventually points to Christ as He is the king that will return Israel and the world from exile. As the book will end in exile, we are all exiled because of our sin. And God, through Christ, is bringing us out of exile into his presence through his son, Jesus Christ. So like all the books of the Old Testament, they're, they're just forecasting what Christ is to come. And the point for us Christians as we're reading the book of Kings about their nation's history in Israel is to remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as Paul writes in verse 11 and 12. Now these things happened as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, that anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. These are just examples of kings who had a listening heart towards God or rejected God's law. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, which example am I following? Am I having a listening heart towards towards God? Am I making time to make sure I'm in the Bible each day, and not just to check mark it, but to listen and ask God, what do you want me to do as a result of the truth that are in your Scripture according to what you have given me? And don't think that I'll never become one of those bad kings. I would never think I would ever do that. Don't think you stand lest you fall, because any one of us can sin, but thankfully we have the grace of God that we could lean into. So Compass that it wraps up the mainly the book of kings. Next time we're here we'll talk about second kings. But Pastor Hayden, we have a kind of a current event that happened, you know, this morning. Very current. Very current. So our current event is about baptism. So Pastor Hayden, take it away. Yeah, we have to ask questions like, what
1: in the world did we do today? If you were in the service or you may be tuning in here, you can always listen to uh, what the explanation for what baptism is uh, on our YouTube page or online as you watch the baptism services. But basically what we need to understand uh, is it is uh, one of two ordinances given in Scripture that we as a church uh, must partake in. And as a matter of fact, I've heard it this way, uh, and it's and it's a very true application of the local church. There are two things that makes a local church a local church, and that is when you do the Lord's Supper and that you do the and that you do baptisms. I mean, those are two things that are the only two ordinances we're given in Scripture that every church does to fulfill their role as a Church together in the body. And so for uh, us, when we do baptisms, it is us getting in front of the Church with uh, baptism candidates, if you will, or people who have turned from their sins and trusted in Christ, who have yet to follow through in believers' baptism. And so that's why we do it. And uh, like I said, you can go and and listen to uh, the explanation. Really, we need to understand what does the word uh, baptism mean? Uh, And we uh, explained that in the Greek The word baptism is the word baptizo, and it means to be dipped, or to be plunged, or how we like to say it, to be placed into. Like, uh, we placed people into water uh, this morning at our baptism services because they had already been placed into Christ. And what I would like to do is take you to a verse, a scripture, that would help you understand this, because we often, and this is what happens when we have a bad understanding of baptism, is we don't understand what the word uh, baptizo means, or we take it out of context. But if you understand baptism meaning to place into, when you read uh, scriptures like Romans 6 uh, and you look at verses 3 through 4 uh, and you understand baptism as being placed into something, uh, you look at verse 3 and 4 completely different. When it says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, baptizo, or placed into Christ Jesus were baptized or placed into his death? Did you see that? When, do you not know that all of us who have been placed into Christ were placed into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by being baptized, by being placed into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Didn't that verse probably make a lot more sense to you? Uh, maybe more than it ever has? Well, it's because we need to understand that baptizo, like I said in the service, is a transliterated word, which can be so difficult for us in our English language because there is no English equivalent word that helps us define what baptism means. And so. Uh, verses 3 and 4 of Romans 6 is a good example of having a right understanding of uh, the word baptism. So you see that bab- being baptized into Christ, it does save you. Being baptized into water doesn't do anything but just get you wet unless you do it in the right way. And then it is only and just an outward uh, display of an inward change. And so when we've been placed into Christ and we were placed into his death, we have been buried and have been placed into his death. So that's, the, that's why we can trust in the death of Christ, because we've been placed into that. And as he was resurrected, we are placed into the power of the resurrection of Christ, which seals us and delivers us until the day of redemption that is drawing near. And so that's just one good example of how a bright understanding of the word baptism helps you not only understand Scripture better, but keeps you away from a lot of uh, fallacies and a lot of even heresies in,
0: in Scripture in the Church. Pastor Evan, you had anything to add to that? I think you did it fully in its right. entirety. So <laughs> it's just a fun time. I love Baptism Weekend, and this is a great start for our church. And I'm just so excited to be able to celebrate. I'm looking forward to the next one. So let us go out and make disciples and let's evangelize to see the All lost right. saved and to disciple the, the saints. Yeah. And really, I want this to be, this
1: service to really be an Ebenezer moment. If you remember in the Old Testament, when we lift up the Ebenezer stone, it's a stone of remembrance. That is, we look at this moment and say, wow, look what God has done and look what we expect God to do. And so I want us to look at this moment and look at all we believe God's going to do in the life of this church through the faithful obedience of His saints. And that is, as we see people saved, we're going to see them baptized, and we're going to see the move of God happen in this city. And uh, I pray that we get to be a great part of that as Compass Bible Church,
0: Pastor Hayden. What is a one or maybe two resources our church can have that you might be able to read about, how to explain, be able to share what true baptism is and what true salvation to others, you know, looks like, especially regarding baptism?
1: Yeah, uh, there is uh, one book uh, called uh, "It's uh, the Believer's Baptism" book by. Uh, Oh, there's the Dyer book, yeah. Uh, Larry Dyer as Baptism, the Believer's First Obedience. It's a good one. We actually give this to everyone in our church who is uh, about to be baptized, and it is a small book. I mean, very small. It's like 96 pages, uh, very tiny, but one of the best books at articulating the different kinds of baptisms you see in the, in the New Testament uh, and uh, what they mean and how we understand the word baptism and like the baptism of John, Uh, The Baptist for repentance, the baptism of Jesus Christ, which none of us take part in the baptism of Christ, that was a baptism for him, right? Then you have the baptism of suffering, that Christ was placed into the suffering and the wrath of God for our behalf. Uh, And then you have, obviously, Believer's Baptism, uh, that is water baptism, and then you also have being baptized into Christ for salvation. So you have that, Uh, but there's also another book on baptism. I found it. What is it?
0: There's Believer's Baptism, A Sign of the New Covenant in Christ by Thomas Schreiner and Sean D. Wright. Now, that book
1: is is a little bit more dense. It's uh, very dense. And it's a bigger, uh, but if you're one of those people uh, that likes to dig in a little bit more, that's also a really great book for you uh, if you want to learn more about... uh, Baptism and scripture, and uh, how we uh, use that in the local church, and how we understand that to be true as a Orthodox evangelical Christian.
0: And one final one having grown up Lutheran, I, had, I was sprinkled on as a baby, but um, I was baptized uh, as a believer in, in 2011. One that was very helpful, it is another thorough book, is it called A Biblical Critique of Infant Baptism by Matt Waymeyer. And that's going to be a very helpful book of, like, why don't we, like our other brethren, baptize babies? Rather, we dedicate babies. So that's another helpful resource to have in your bookshelf to kind of understand what the Bible describes baptism to be. All right. Well, there's your
1: uh, overview of baptism, of believer's baptism, or credo baptism, if you will. Uh, but we have some really good announcements that we have coming up. Pastor Evan, what's, uh, what are the first couple?
0: Well, the first one is that we have an exploring compass coming up, but it's not like the normal exploring compasses because this is a intensive. So on June 12th, we have the June intensive exploring compass. Where where are you, Pastor Hayden? If you didn't know this, you're going to be teaching this again. There you go. But you'll be at the church Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 on June 12th. So if you have not gone through exploring compass, would like to take a two-week class, just one shot of the Sunday afternoon, this is your opportunity. And we'll have lunch there
1: for you, so we'll feed you, and we'll teach you, and we'll uh, send you off to make more disciples. Uh, we also have a, a big uh, a weekend coming up on May 15th. May 15th, we have two big events. Number one, uh, Dr. Mike Fabarez is coming. He's going to be in the pulpit at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we're so uh, just grateful for his ministry, and we're so grateful uh, for him to be filling the pulpit. And we want you uh, to invite people to join you. We expect a, a, quite a number of people there, so make sure that you guys show up early and, and find your seat and we look forward to inviting uh, Pastor Mike out to preach on May 15th. And in that, that evening, we have our partner's graduation dinner. So anybody who's ever graduated the partner's program since its inception all the way until today, if you've graduated, no matter what state you were in when you graduated or what church you were in, state as in location, not state like as a, a state of mind. <laughs> I don't know. I was yeah, like, what? There it is. Yeah. Uh, well, country. Yeah. <laughs> We have our partners' graduation dinner May fifteenth at six p.m. You need to register. You need to register for this. And if you have kids who will, we need to be providing childcare for. They need to be registered as well. Uh, and uh, I, I hate to say it this way, but if you have a spouse who hasn't graduated partners, uh, only the gradu only the spouse who has graduated partners can go. Uh, we love marriage and we love spouses, but what we want to make sure is the only people who are coming to our partners' program uh, celebration is people who have graduated the partners program. And so make sure that if you have, we'd love you to be there. And uh, Pastor Michael also be there giving an encouraging message as we celebrate dinner uh, and what God has done through this discipleship program. So those are a couple of big announcements. Uh, we will in the near future have all of our signups open for kids camps and student camps uh, this summer. And so be on the lookout for those signups to go live here in the near future. Other than that, guys, we are so grateful that you have joined us on this week's Compass Equip podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.